So, hey, everybody, welcome back. This is our second installment of Purple Politics uh, with Amy here today, and we're going to be talking about uh, something that is near and dear to us, which is kind of the structure of how our how our parties work. Uh, it was a it's a organic conversation that came off of uh, of last week after the uh, camera stopped rolling. Our, our host here had some questions, <laughs> and before we knew it, we were you know he was uh, he was firing away, and we were asking, and all of a sudden we realized we had the content for today's show, there and, and uh, there's a real need for that. Um, Amy, your your thoughts on, on on getting started on this? Yeah, actually, uh, if you don't mind, yeah. we didn't talk about this, but before we get started, I do want to remind everybody, because the day that this drops um, on Woodlands Online is the first day of early voting for the that primary runoff. That is correct. Runoff. That is correct. So June 29th, uh, for those of you who are watching us in the Montgomery County part of the Woodlands and other parts of the county, you can go to MontgomeryVotes.org to find all of the early voting sites. I believe there's eight for this runoff. But I haven't. I haven't counted. Yeah, I haven't counted. <laughs> but there are a couple new ones, so uh, so definitely check that out. And because of the holiday in the middle, it doesn't. The early voting days aren't continuous, so right. double check. You can't vote. I believe next Friday. or Friday Saturday. is correct. That's correct. Friday is not an option. And then you'll vote for a few days uh, the following week. Saturday is also not an option, but Sunday is. Yes. So. Which is great. So double check before you head out that the time because the times change also depending on the day of the week. MontgomeryVotes.org. If you're in the Harris County portion of the Woodlands, you can go to HarrisVotes.org, and they'll have their early voting. Yeah, good point. And then July 14th, uh, we'll certainly be talking before then. Um, of course, is the actual runoff day. Yeah, that's correct. Yes. Yeah, very good. Thanks for thanks for bringing that up. Yeah. Amy. So uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know we. We started sitting here talking with our host, and he had all these questions. And so, uh, what we wanted to do for our audience is sort of unpack how the party is structured. And, and there are some nuances. There's some differences between uh, the way your party uh, does things and 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 how the Republican Party does things. And so, um, why don't you start off sharing how it works um, in in the Democrat Party, and then I'll kind of come back and and, and uh, share the analog in the Republican Party. Sure. So um, at the very uh, basic level of the party on both sides are the precinct chairs. And I believe there's a little bit of a difference in terminology we were finding out. We call them precincts, you call them boxes, I believe. I, I think even with for us, there's a kind of no particular nomenclature. Yeah, it's <laughs> what you're used to, I suppose. So all of the uh, registered voters in a voting precinct get to elect their precinct chairs. And those elections happen on the primary ballot. So if you are a Democratic voter, you only will vote for a Democratic precinct chair and same as for the Republican. So for the Democrats, if you want to be a precinct chair, which is the person who organizes the voters right there in their neighborhoods, um, it, like I said, it's the most basic level. So it's, it's 5,000 registered voters, no more than 5,000 registered voters. So generally it's a few neighborhoods mm -hmm. in this area. And you you uh, make sure that all of your registered Democratic voters are up to date on elections, who's running. You can have uh, get-togethers in my precinct. We really like to have a couple get-togethers a year mm -hmm. and have the local candidates come um, and meet the voters in our in our precinct. We also send out newsletters so everybody knows when to vote and where to vote. Uh, especially in Montgomery County with some of our smaller elections, where you vote can change mm -hmm. from election to election. So we want to make sure our voters know exactly where to go to vote. Um, and so to do that, you actually file to run on the primary ballot, just like you would if you mm -hmm. were Ted Cruz running for Senate. Um, and or I guess I don't know if Ted Cruz actually files through the counties, but Probably Kevin Brady does fe federally. Yeah, probably. Kevin Brady does, and the, and uh, Elizabeth Hernandez, who's running against him, uh, file for the districts, and then uh, and then on the county level, they file for the county. So you will go to your county office, Democratic office, um, in December of the odd year, and say that you want to run as precinct chair for your precinct, and you get on the ballot. Now, if there's nobody running against you, then you automatically win. But if there is several people, two or more people running for precinct chair, then you're on the actual primary ballot on the Democratic side and then on the Republican side, and the voters in your precinct will vote for you. Mm -hmm. Now, you're only voting for people in your precinct, so if you live in precinct 15, River Plantation, you're not going to see a precinct chair running in 
precinct 80 Imperial Oaks. You're only going to see what's in your, in your precinct. At the same time, and on the same primary ballots, the county chair is, is voted on. So this past March, I was on the ballot for uh, everybody voting for the Democratic Party in Montgomery County, and I had two opponents. So again, we filed through our county office. And uh, in this early December of 2019, and we were on all three on the Democratic primary ballot. And so those two positions uh, are elected by the Democratic voters. You won't see our names again in November. Right. Now you take the county chair and you take, we now have 100 voting precincts in Montgomery County. You take those up to 100 precinct chairs. And in the Democratic Party, you add in a couple more officers that I'll mention in just a minute, and that becomes what's called the County Executive Committee. And that's the ruling body of the Montgomery County Democratic Party. So uh, our term begins 20 days after the primary runoff each even year, which because of the delay in COVID this year, uh, our new term starts August 3rd. Mm -hmm. So we hold a CEC meeting. It's called, it's called by the prior chair, in this case, Mark Meyer. And the prior um, precinct chairs can come and the new precinct chairs, which in our party, we have a lot of overlap, which I really like people that are passionate. They, they stick around. <laughs> and uh, I will be sworn in and then I will swear in all of the precinct chairs that were on those ballots. And then those precinct chairs will elect our deputy chair, our secretary, our treasurer and our sergeant of arms. And so all of us together become the new CEC. And we meet quarterly and we run the business of the party. So we set budgets, we um, approve any spending um, that's not, that comes up that's not contained in the budget. Uh, throughout the year, we you know approve advertising opportunities that come up. We've had to, to change, and I'm sure y'all as well, change kind of our we had a plan for, you know, how we were going to campaign and, and talk to voters this year. And of course, COVID has thrown mm -hmm. a wrench in that. So we decided to do more mailings than we usually do. So our CEC, because it wasn't in the budget, proved um, that extra expenditure or additional expenditure um, at a CEC meeting. So anything that comes up before the, that, that the party wants to do is is brought to the CEC and the precinct chairs vote on it. It's very much a democratic process um, that, you know, everybody has input. The The county chair um, is, and I've said this before, is a leader, not a ruler. So there are very few things that the county chair can make a decision on by him or herself. The, the precinct chairs um, really have a, a lot of say, which is great because Montgomery County is a very diverse mm -hmm. county in a lot of ways. We have more rural areas. We have the city. We've got the suburbs and the township is, you know, is a weird entity. It's the only township in Texas. So mm -hmm. nobody really yeah. knows what to do yep. with that with the Woodlands. So, you know, precinct chairs bring up um, things that are happening in their community that a lot of the other parts of the county don't right. don't have to deal with. So it's it's good to have those voices come together uh, on a regular basis and keep everybody updated on, mm -hmm. on things like that. So that is the the basic workings of the Montgomery County Democratic Party. We do have one more section of the party that meets regularly in the county. Because the CEC meeting, it can be hard to get 105 people together very often. And so like we said, we, we have to do it statutorily at least four times a year. So yep. we make that try to be once a quarter. So it's on a regular basis, but things do pop up in between that. So we have uh, a smaller body called the senior advisory committee or SAC, and they meet monthly in between. And they are allowed under our bylaws that we have all voted on as the CEC to make um, certain decisions in between that pop up. We can't, we can't, um, can't fill a vacancy, for example. We can't fill a vacancy. We can't spend the entire budget on something. But if if an event popped up and we wanted to spend two hundred dollars to have a table at a community event, and there wasn't time, there wasn't going to be another CEC meeting, we could we could authorize that sort of expenditure. And so those are all of the officers 
the chair, the deputy chair, and so on. And then we break down our precincts. The, it's, they're already broken down into commissioner precincts for commissioner's court. We have all the precinct chairs in each commissioner precinct elect a commissioner precinct chair to kind of be their So that's liaison. the precinct executive committee, basically. Is that it's, what yeah, you call so, it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so we have four. So there's four commissioner precincts. We mm -hmm. have those four. They're on the SAC. And then we have... Um, Caucuses. So we have a women's caucus, an LGBTQ caucus, um, Hispanic, African American, I think a young Democrats. I think that's everybody. And so anybody that identifies as part of that group votes on their uh, chair for that. Okay. So young Democrats, I think you can vote up until you're 40. So everybody that's 40 or under as a precinct chair elects one person to be their chair for that group. If you identify in the, as the LGBTQIA community, they all get together at that first CEC meeting of the term and they vote on the chair. And those five or six chairs are on the SAC. Okay. So it's about 12 people or so, 12 to 15, and that, that's the group that meets uh, whenever there's not a CEC meeting to keep going with the business of the, of the party. So that's kind of how we roll throughout the year, and those are two-year terms. Up to, of course, and then if for whatever reason somebody drops out or moves or what have you, then the CEC would vote on a replacement the next time they met. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot of information it to is. throw it's out there. It is. It's a lot there. of information. So, <laughs> you know, I, I, you know, I've gone through the material so much over the last few years and, it, and I still forget like a little idiosyncrasy mm -hmm. here and there. And so our party structure is very similar to yours. Uh, one of the things that, you know, I think we would probably agree on is, um, you know, in that precinct chair position. So we, we go through the same process. You know, you vote in the primary. In our case, in the, the, the runoff that's coming up, we actually have three precinct chair wow. runoffs, which is really unusual. Yeah. But, but we have that. So um, some folks that go to vote are going to actually see a pre, like a, a third race on their on their ballot that um, that that, you know, that others won't won't see, or I shouldn't say third, there's three of them. So depending on the luck of the draw, you'll be, you might have one of those three races. That's, that's really what I was trying to say there. Um, but, you know, the precinct chair, I just want to kind of elaborate on this. We get asked all the time, uh, people will contact and say, how can I get plugged in with the party? How can I get plugged in with the Republican Party? And one of the ways you can do that, um, at least I assume it's going to be the same for you, but the Republican Party uh, advocates that even at the precinct chair level, you build some structure under that, right? Definitely. So you have like block captains or yes. things like you mean, it, because even even at 5,000 people, that's really a lot to right. cover because you're, you could be in a, a rural area where the homes are spread very wide. And so that territory is larger than it, in the more densely populated and where you've got like maybe one or two neighborhoods or something like that. So we're really encouraged to say, um, you know, build out your hierarchy even with under the, the precinct chair, and it's a great place for volunteers to get plugged in. So, Absolutely. if you're listening to this and you're interested in really participating in party politics, find out who your precinct chair is. Um, you know, I'm sure she keeps a, a, a record, a, yep. a, a directory of, of their precinct chairs. The Republican Party does the same. So, reach out um, and let us get you plugged in with that precinct chair. I'm sure they won't turn turn away the help. Never. Um, and so, so just like you, you know, we meet, so one of the weird things or interesting things about the parties is there's a temptation to look them as if they're like a purely private entity, but they're not, exactly. they're also not a purely public entity either. And, and they, they kind of fall in sort of this really weird situation where like when I think of a purely private entity, I think of something like the Boy Scouts, right? Mm -hmm. But with the Boy Scouts, the state of Texas isn't specifying how many times you have to meet, you know, how you elect your chairman, you know, you know what you do for vacancies. But even, that's what makes it different, right? Like, so we, we are governed by certain requirements. And you brought this up a minute ago. Like, the reason that you can't fill vacancies is because the Texas Election Code, you know, this the SAC, right? Mm -hmm. They... There is a prescription in the Texas election code that governs like how many people have to be present and it's the whole body that votes on it. And so 
as much as you want to do, maybe something like that, you can't, you're, right. you're not allowed to. So it's, we're really kind of this odd, the parties are these odd entities that are kind of half public, half, half private. Um, the other thing is, um, and it sounds like maybe y'all are going to just kind of keep things status quo. Mm -hmm. Um, but in, in our party, you know, we're, we're called to have an organizational meeting at the first, you know, it, you know, I think the election law says within 45 days of the primary concluding, right, we have to conduct an organizational meeting. Um, and so that includes the possibility of changing the bylaws. Okay. Right. And so for us, we're actually going through some of that, those mechanics right now of figuring out what we're going to want to do mm -hmm. when, when we get there. But we'll eventually wind up with structures that are very similar to you. We've had an advisory board in the past. Uh, we have a steering committee, um, and we'll probably have some version of that when we, we when it's all said and done. And then we'll have these individual committees. So I, I can't exactly, since we're doing this, I can't exactly speak to what that structure will look like. But the principle is the same, right? We're we're required. Uh, the CEC is required to meet, um, you know, once a quarter. I believe is the way it's it's worded in the election code. Uh, but that's a really kind of a that's the bare minimum. Right. And it, then on the other side, you know, you don't want to get too aggressive with trying to get the whole body together on, you know, because it's a challenge, right? And you We're, need a quorum, right, to do anything. You need anything, a quorum, so. right? You know, so if you get people that are frustrated and they're just not showing, they're like, well, we came, you know, last month and, you know, I've got to drive an hour, you know, it's, so you got to find that balance. And one of the things that this, this structure, whatever you call it, you know, allows you to do is to um, kind of, Put meetings in, but you know where you can accomplish mm -hmm. some things um, that um, that the Texas Election Code gives you the liberty to do. If I'll say it that way. Um, so you know, I'm the chairman elect. So the same process, right? Like you voted for us in your primary this last cycle. Um, one of the things that I think is different. We talked about this in kind of the off-camera deal mm -hmm. last time which was we hold precinct conventions, right? Right. So in the Republican Party, after you go to vote in the primary, um, we will, so for us, the way we have it set up right now is that that night after the polls close, I think it's usually an hour later, around eight, eight o'clock or so, we will caucus, we will have a precinct convention. And basically, that is is the smallest form of input, and, and I'm bringing this up because I think it'll kind of segue into where we're going next with, sure. as we move up the party structure. Um, but it's an opportunity for folks that it's an open invitation. If you're in that voting box or you're in that precinct, with the nomenclature's interchangeable as, as I use it. <laughs> um, it's an opportunity for you to come, and you can uh, sign up to be uh, a delegate or an alternate to your district convention, which is kind of the next rung of, of, of engagement. And, and then it's also an opportunity to, to draft resolutions that will be talked about at these conventions. And so uh, if you want to be going to, to district convention, that is in the Republican Party, that is your opportunity to do that. If you want to, if you want to do that, then you need to be voted in at that caucus as either a delegate or an alternate. And you can show up as a guest, which is because of my running around. Like I missed that opportunity, right? So I went to district, but I went as a, you know, a guest, yes. right? Like, so I wasn't allowed to talk. <laughs> um, and that was just an artifact of running the campaign and, and the logistics of getting back to my voting box that night. Um, so if you want to go, that's your opportunity to do that. And then, um, you know, we can kind of, I guess, talk about what district means, um, but because sure. uh, but it's because of a bubble up process. So maybe I'll let you, I don't I'll let sure. you talk now <laughs> yeah. and talk about district, and then we'll, I'll you know see where we differ, and I'll talk about sure. it from our side. And I do want to throw one thing in as you were talking about private entities and public entities in the Democratic Party. I don't know how it is for y'all. Every meeting we have is an open meeting at yes. every level, yes. so you are always able and welcome to come. Um, now that doesn't mean that if you're disruptive, we can't throw you out, <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> which we would hope nobody would be, but, and you cannot participate if it is a, like an SAC or a CEC and you're not a voting member, you can't participate right. and you can't make motions, you can't vote, but you can sometimes at the appropriate meetings give input. 
Yes. So, um, especially at the CEC, provided we're not running into time limits, we will let people from the party speak and give input it's, to things. It's, off, it's often an invitation type thing for us. I don't know. We, we, we've got so-and-so here and they want to speak on this. And we build it into if the If we agenda. know. Yeah. Yeah, if maybe. We, yeah. If we know. And, and we often... We also, a lot of times people who were precinct chairs and maybe they've moved and there was already a precinct chair in their new uh, precinct will come because they've always been a part of the, the process and they want to stay engaged and they'll have valuable information. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, we tried this a few years ago and this is how this went. So there are opportunities, like I said, time permitting to speak mm-hmm. and definitely candidates and things like that would be yes, put on the agenda. Ahead for sure. Of time. So the... The Democratic Party here in Montgomery County does not do precinct conventions. And that decision was made, it was either after 2008 or 2016, and I can't remember. I, I'm afraid I don't remember. I never attended a precinct um, convention. I actually moved here in 2008 and had already voted. You had already voted here. And so I had to vote by absentee in my old state. So I was not able to be here for that. And then I had little babies. So coming back... After an, uh, an entire day of voting was not a possibility. But so we do not do the precinct convention at all. Anybody who comes and votes in the Democratic primary can be, it can be a delegate to the county, county or district convention. There is a process to sign up, but you don't even have to do that. You can just show up that day at the appropriate time and sign in. And they will verify that you voted, and then mm-hmm. you are a delegate. Okay. So we could have an untold number. I think we had 25,000 people vote in March this year. We could have 25,000 people show up. I don't know what we would do <laughs> with 25,000 people, for that? right? <laughs> but um, so we do like it when people sign up ahead of time so we know they're coming. But, but it's not the requirement. Uh-huh. And you can also, if you did not vote at all, you can sign an affirmation of party mm. and be a delegate that mm. way. Now, you cannot change your party. So if you voted in the Republican primary, you cannot show up to the Democratic convention and say, now I'm a Democrat. Same in the last us. three weeks, yeah, I changed my sure. mind. Yeah, no. Definitely can't do that. But if you have not declared yourself in that year's primary, you show up. So the when we talk about district, we're talking about Senate districts. Right. And there's 31, 31. Senate districts in Texas. And so this is the state legislature we're talking and so our party is divided up by the Senate districts, which, depending on where you are in Texas, you can have an entire county just be one Senate district, or they can be multiple pieces of counties, or one county can have multiple pieces of Senate districts. And in Montgomery County, we are two. Yes. Yep. So the majority of us are in four. Mm-hmm. But four Senate District 4 also contains parts of, I think, five other counties. So a little bit of Harris, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm going to mess up. Jefferson, so I believe, is in instead of Jefferson and Avery. Uh, starts with a C. It's eluding me now. Okay, I'm glad it's just <laughs> And then a little piece of us up in northern Montgomery County is Senate District 3. Yes. And then that goes into, I believe, San Jacinto. I, I'm terrible. I'm, I'm terrible I, at, at Yeah, don't, at I'm going to get out of now names. if I have to do that, right? <laughs> so what we do, the... Texas Democratic Party lets the counties and Senate districts decide how they want to do their conventions at that level. And it's really just a logistical thing. Harris County has, I believe, parts of seven different Senate districts in there. So they tend to do their own, each Senate district Mm -hmm. meets. So if you are in Harris County Senate District 312, I'm making up a number so I don't say the wrong number, then you would meet just together. So you Mm -hmm. wouldn't be meeting with the rest of your Senate district that are in different counties. You would Mm -hmm. just be meeting Harris County, that Senate district. They changed that a little bit this year because of COVID. I believe they had a one-county convention uh, virtually because of the whole mess. Montgomery County, because Senate District 3 is so small, we have a Montgomery County, Senate District 3 and 4 together convention. Okay. So everybody comes, and then when we have to do business that is specific to a Senate district, we divide. And Senate District 3 goes into a smaller room, and they do their business, and Senate District 4 mm-hmm. does the, the rest of the business. But the things that we, the other things that happen at convention are things like resolutions. We don't do a formal resolution process until the Senate District and County Convention. And so the entire county votes on those. And so that gets done all in one 
moment. So we have committees that do a lot of the work beforehand. Mm -hmm. So instead of having the precincts do uh, resolutions, we form a resolutions committee, we put out a call for resolutions, and any Democrat in the county can submit a resolution to that committee. We try and do as much as we can beforehand because it can be mm -hmm. a lot of work. I forget. We didn't have very many this year because of the whole mess, but we had dozens and dozens in 2018. It was a long, <laughs> slog to get through them. And anybody who is a Democrat, so if you qualify to be a delegate to the county convention, you qualify to write a resolution. We do not take anonymous resolutions, so they have you have to have your name on it. Mm -hmm. And a resolution is basically a formal statement of your opinion, mm -hmm. of the party's opinion. And it can be very generic, although most of ours tend not to be, but it can be very generic. We support equal rights for the LGBT. LGBTQIA community, but most of ours are not that general. Mm -hmm. That tends to be more what happens in the platform. Mm -hmm. Our resolutions tend to be very specific. We call on the state of Texas legislature to pass a non-discrimination bill that makes it illegal to discriminate against members of the LGBTQIA mm -hmm. community. And we might even have more specific language than that. So the resolutions committee will get together. They'll combine similar resolutions. They'll make sure that any stats, statistics, and, and references in the resolutions are accurate. And then they will get those ready for the day of. And then the day of convention, we pass those out to everybody there. And then we read them, or at least the, the whereas, mm -hmm. the be resolved part, and the entire body then votes on them. And then any that are not county-specific get sent to the state to be voted on uh, at the state convention. Mm -hmm. If we, You can pass county resolutions. We call on the commissioner's court to mm -hmm. do X, Y, Z. And then those, of course, would not go to the state because it's not a state right. uh, issue. We also can do honorary resolutions. So we, unfortunately, had um, one of our very longtime precinct chairs and a very just important member of our community, our Democratic community, um, James Barron, passed away uh, actually just a few weeks um, before convention. So we passed a, an honorary resolution um, highlighting his his contribution to the Democratic Party. And that was voted on at the state and then read at the state level. And I think they had maybe nine or ten at the state level from all over. So it's just a nice way to commemorate members of our of our party that have put in the work. So we can do honorary resolutions like that. If we've had a, a precinct chair or a county chair who's been county, like, you know, on, uh, if Dr. Wally was a Democrat and had been precinct chair for as long as he had, you know, we could put a resolution to the state honoring his service mm -hmm. um, as a county chair for so long. So things like that are a nice, a nice way um, to have it in our, you know, historical mm -hmm. database forever that, you know, we so I feel like I've gotten a little off track, but that's resolutions yeah. that happen at the at the county convention. Do we want to go into more specifics or do you want to? Well, I think we should. Let me let me let me kind of shadow as much <laughs> of what you've said that, you know, we're, we're almost up there to the next next rung right in the in the convention yeah. process. So uh, like you, we you know, we have um, well. We didn't combine, right? So mm -hmm. we had an SD3 okay. convention. We had an SD4 convention. Um, we do, like you have the resolutions committees. Mm -hmm. So at the at these district, Senate district conventions, we do have committees that are vetting stuff, but it's a bubble up kind of. So all of the resolutions that came up through um, the precinct conventions, they'll make it into that committee. And, and the committee's function is, is exactly what like you described. It's... Mm -hmm kind of vetting the resolutions that are coming through a lot of times like a deduplication effort or something like that. So, uh, but we do also allow resolutions, you know, all at the floor time, right? Like, we so, do two for a certain, like the chair will gavel in the convention and then say there's, you have an hour left and you can get them. Yeah, so we, we had some, what I would call walk on mm -hmm. resolutions. Um, so there's sort of this, this meshing of that. Um, I'm trying to think what else that I heard that is slightly different. Um, so one of the, so you heard me say I came as a guest, mm -hmm. right? Like I was out campaigning. Mm -hmm. um, this actually happened to one other elected official um, campaigning, couldn't make it to their precinct convention. So we sort of missed out on that opportunity to be a delegate at district. Um, but 
I wanted to go to state, mm-hmm. right? So there's a process for that. Um, and one of those processes, which is really important, is during our convention, our district convention, our voting box or precinct box, or whatever you want to call it, they'll caucus. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things is we'll have allocated a certain number of delegates, alternates, uh, and at-large options mm-hmm. to to be at at state, right? Mm-hmm. And so we want we fill those slots through the what happened at the precinct convention, right? Like everybody that signed up says, "I want to be a you know right." And then in that caucus, if there's more people that signed up, then we have slots for. Um, and and there's a whole formula as to how each precinct gets. I don't know if y'all do that or not. Mm-hmm. But we have this formula as to how many delegates and alternates and all that you get. Um, but we'll caucus and we'll we'll make those decisions. So that's how I, you know, I, I went to that right. So you know, nor- normally allowed to talk as a guest, mm-hmm. but I, I was able to participate in a caucus and say, you know, I want to be a delegate for state. Uh, then we also had a nominations committee that you could go before them and say, I want to be. A delegate, so I I, I kind of played multiple angles, right? Because I wanted to ensure uh, that I made it to state. So so we we did that, um, and so that's really if you if you want to go to state in the Republican Party, you follow one kind of one of those paths um, to get there. We we do the same again, same thing with the resolutions. We we vet all the you know resolutions, or, or we did this time through a resolutions committee. Um, there was an opportunity to kind of on the floor walk on. And the idea is a lot of these things are simply just going to bubble up mm-hmm. to the to the next layer. So it'll go from district to state. So we'll see a lot of these same resolutions surface at state. But again, it's kind of a rinse and repeat process. Right. Now we're going to bring in all of the others that have held um, their district conventions at state. So I'm um, trying to think if I'm leaving anything out. I feel like I've pretty well covered it. So Maybe we want to talk about state convention at this yeah. point. Yeah, so at our, since we don't have precinct conventions, like I said, everybody can come to the county or the Senate district, whichever you have. Mm-hmm. That is where we vote on our state delegates. So, like like you said, you have a, an allocation, mm-hmm. for, and we, it's based on the number of votes your governor candidate got in the last... I'm glad you bring this, because I was sitting here, I'm thinking about it, and I'm omitted to talk about voting strength. And I know we use voting strength. I don't know if, if you have that concept of voting strength as well. At I don't, the state convention? Well, at even at district. So, no, no, not okay. at district. Okay, all right, yeah. interesting. Okay. Um, so, the state party will tell us, you have so many, make sure I get this right. How many you have is based on how many votes each precinct Turned out, it's probably the, the age, same as it turned out yeah, for the gubernatorial. For the gubernatorial. Right. And the state party tells us what our, our total number is. Right. So when we get to the county convention, we, we go into our precincts and see how many people there want to go to state. And now we should mention the state moves around, and we all know Texas is a huge state. Yep. And so some people, it, this is where it comes into logistics, right? And, mm-hmm. and who can go and who can afford to go and who can take off work. Right. So... Everybody, I'm sure, would love to go to convention, but not everybody can go to convention. It's expensive sometimes. Right. So in 2018, it was in Fort Worth. So that's a trip, and then you yep. have to stay there. So you get in your in your precincts, and you say, okay, who wants to go? Let's say we have, I think in 2018, I was in a, our precinct had just been split, so it was very small. And so we had two people could go, and six of us wanted to go. So in our little group, we all introduced ourselves and said what we had done, what we wanted to get out of convention, and then we voted. Mm-hmm. And we are we can have no secret votes in the Democratic Party. Everything is open, and mm-hmm. um, it it can be just a voice vote. It doesn't have to, you don't have to write down who everybody voted for, but it cannot be secret. So mm-hmm. we worked it out amongst ourselves. We had we we made our delegates. Every precinct does that, and then. Every commissioner, no, and then we move up, we bundle some of those precincts into larger geographic groups, but still smaller than the commissioner precinct. This is a big graph on the wall, (laughs) (laughs) how you do this. And they get so many allocated for that geographic group. And so that larger geographic groups to get together and goes through the same process, taking out everybody that's already been elected, and they divvy up those vote for the, for those delegates. And then we get in commissioner's precincts. So four big groups and do it again. 
And then if we have spots left when we get to the county level and more people that still want to go at the county level, that's when our nominations committee comes okay. in and makes those decisions for the final spots. So it can be in, in years where where it's easy to get to convention, you know, if it's in Houston or someplace close, or if it's a big year, you know, 2020 would have been a very big year, um, then, you know, we can have a ton of people that want to go and we, we can get all the way up there. And then other years, you know, it all works itself out where we yeah. have enough room for everybody. This year, because everything was virtual, we had a virtual uh, county convention and we had a virtual state convention. Okay. So this year, even though they had sent out all those numbers ahead of time, they said anybody who wants to be a state delegate can go. They just have to register and they have to qualify. Okay. And so instead of having to vote like that, we just had to sign up through our county party or the state party, and then everybody got to go and have full voting rights. And we'll talk about that in a minute. But so it takes out some of that. Um, it takes out hours <laughs> of <laughs> of convention time to not have to vote. So you know we had to change things up on the fly. But typically we do go through all of those okay. the precinct levels and things. Well, I think at this point we probably want to talk about state a little bit, but I, I, if, if you don't mind, sure, what I want yeah. to do is we have a kind of a, an interesting thing in our party called voting strength, and it's, okay. a, it's, it's an incentive. Mm -hmm. um, and so basically when we show up at district, each voting box, uh, just like there's a certain number of, of alternates, and mm -hmm. we reward precincts that turn out a higher number of votes in the gubernatorial race. Oh, okay. And and so they get a, a number assigned, right? So you may have, you know, three people that showed up, uh, but they can vote their voting strength, which is this okay. allocation, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, so a box that, you know, maybe did really well has a higher voting strength mm -hmm. than somebody that did had a really low turnout in the gubernatorial race would have. A, and so... You might see two bodies, two people, mm -hmm. you know, sitting together in, in, you know, in their voting box, right, at district. Um, but they are actually representing a larger number of people. So right. um, in ours, for whatever reason, probably for, I, I don't know why, but we actually suspended that and, and we did just you know, body count. Mm -hmm. But normally, um, the incentive there is for the precinct chair to really do very well mm -hmm. and that way they get that higher you know higher voting strength and uh and so um and so therefore you know they want to do that right? right and we have that at the state level okay so i don't know if it's for the same reasons but so our delegation would have been i believe like 150 give or take for this year if 150 of us ended up not being able to make the trip to San Antonio this year, we still would have had 150 votes in our Senate District voting mm -hmm. as the Montgomery County Senate District 4. So I don't know that it's, like I said, for the same reason, but we do vote our, our delegate number, even mm -hmm. if we don't have. So if we have all 150 people, then they all get their one vote. Mm -hmm. If we have 100, then we vote, and then they do the math to figure out what it would be. Right. You know, they just... Expanded out yeah. to 150. Yeah. We, I don't know that we've really had an issue of fewer people coming to our um, county convention than we could than we could have per precinct, and right. I think that's because we're growing. So, okay. in the gubernatorial, that's a four-year term, of course, and so every two years when we're hitting our numbers, we're growing and growing and growing. So by the time 2020 came around. You know, we had even more Democrats voting in the 2020 gotcha. primary than we did in 2018. So we, as far as I know, have not recently run into a situation where that would be okay. an issue. So I guess let's talk about state, right? So it, again, yeah. I, I like to describe it as this is a bubble up process. Right. So basically, uh, I think it's going to be very similar to you, but um, you, can, you, can, you can share the differences um, in a minute. We basically take all of these resolutions and the people that were that were voted in as delegates, we all show up and we basically do the exact same thing over again. Mm -hmm. Now, in a non-presidential cycle, that's really the end of the process. You go to state, um, you know, you, what we do is we elect uh, what we call our SREC mm -hmm. representatives. So, you know, there's, the, there's a, a male and a female allocated for each senatorial district. So we talked about this a minute, there's like 31 of them. Mm -hmm. um, and that forms like the next level of hierarchy 
in our party government. Right. Uh, and we also elect our state chair, mm -hmm. right? And so you have this, and the vice chair, I believe. And so we have this hierarchy that gets voted on at state. So you're do really doing three things, actually four things in a presidential cycle. <laughs> you're, you're, you're going through the resolutions and you're, you're wanting them to be part of the state platform, right? Mm -hmm. Whether the playing for... Not quite. But yeah, keep going. Okay. On ours. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so we're, we're basically, we're vetting these resolutions, passing them and trying to, to get them on the, the platform, mm -hmm. right? Then uh, the next thing we're doing uh, is we're, uh, we're electing those, that sort of the SREC mm -hmm. members. Uh, we're electing the, the chair, the vice chair. Um, and then if it's a national like a presidential year where you're going to go to nationals, then uh, we're electing members of the RNC. I believe it's two. Mm -hmm. And then we are, uh, we're electing the delegates that will go to the national convention, which again is just one rung further up. But, right. uh, and, and so I, I don't know, how does that differ? Or So a lot of it is the same. Okay. So we have the SDEC, of course, Democratic. Right. And that's analogous to the CEC. So the CEC runs the yes, county. Yes, that's a good illustration, yeah. The SDEC runs the state. Mm -hmm. And so, again, we have the same thing, one male, one female. Um, and we have separate, we have rules and situations where we have a gender fluid or, or non-binary person that wants to run as well. And so you have then 62 people. So at the convention, you're voting on those two people. We also vote on our, what they call permanent, but it's really convention, committee people. So mm -hmm. prior to convention, there's a nominations uh, process kind of behind the scenes for the temporary resolutions committee, right. platform committee, that sort of thing. And they get together and start the, the work. Yes. And then at convention, we nominate, we elect our SDEC member to each one of those committees. So there's, it'll end up being 31 people for each committee. And so the resolutions committee will go through and finalize all of the resolutions that came up from the Mm -hmm. And you can also submit resolutions and platform requests at convention if you get 20% uh, of the delegates to sign a petition. So one of the fun things about convention is all of the networking that you're doing and the different meetings that you're attending. And one of the things you'll find are these people running through with clipboards, will you sign my petition to get this resolution mm -hmm. added? So that's kind of fun. Mm -hmm. um, but we our resolutions and our platforms are two separate things. So the platform is what the Democratic Party believes. Mm -hmm. And we do, have a, we do have a state platform that may not always be completely identical to the national platform. Right, yes. Um, of course, in the big things, it's the same. But that tends to be a more um, generic statement. I mean, it has some very specifics, but it's not saying we want this bill passed this year. It's a very, we want criminal justice reform, and mm -hmm. this is why. And we want you know, non-discrimination, and this is why. But the resolutions tend to be more specific. We want a criminal justice bill that gives us X, Y, Z. And so those are, they're voted on separately, and there's two separate entities. The resolution is more of work that we want to get done in the next two to four years. And the platform is, this is what we believe, and this is what our candidates say that they believe, and this mm -hmm. is the umbrella that we operate. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. And so that, yeah, and so then we, we elect those people, to, and then we will vote on all of that as the, the entire convention delegation after the work is done. And then we also elect our state chair mm -hmm. and our vice chair and our treasurer. And I'm forgetting there's one. Yeah, person. I've probably left a few off. Probably secretary, out, something but... like that. And then I do want to say, and I'm assuming this is the same way as for you, they have their roles and they have their work that they do, but that's a, a non-paid position. It's analogous to the county chair. Sometimes there's a little bit of, you can have money from the budget to tr go to training. To do things, things like yeah. But we have a paid staff also, and I'm sure the, the state Republican Party does as well. So, so you'll see sometimes like executive director and deputy executive director, and we have a treasurer director. So that's the, or financial director. He does the the paid finance business of the party, that's not the same as the elected treasurer. So mm -hmm. there's sometimes people will see different titles and say, well, what does that person do versus this person? But um, but the the almost 24-7, the, the nine to five business of the party gets done by that paid staff. 
Yeah. And that's hired by the people that we elect the convention. Yeah, our state chair, county chair, those are not paid mm -hmm. positions. I mean, we've, we've operated that way for a long yeah. time. Yeah. And so sometimes in counties you can have executive directors at the county level. We do not in Montgomery County, um, but Harris County, I believe, has some paid positions. Okay. So, yeah. Um, and then, like I said, it's a lot of it is, is a lot of fun. There's a speeches. Yeah. Um, there's caucus meetings. So I attended... Uh, when I went in person, the um, anti-death penalty caucus, um, technology caucus, and so they're about hour, hour and a half meetings. Um, if there's any business that needs to be done, if they have officers, some of these are very um, well-organized groups, and they'll have officers, and they'll do that kind of business. And sometimes it's more like a seminar. Uh, at the death penalty, the abolishing the death penalty one, they had somebody speak who was found, who was on death row for a long time and was found to be innocent mm -hmm. and has been released. So that was a powerful uh, to hear his story. And so, you know, that's the kind of things that you do for the first day, day and a half before you get down to doing the party business. Yeah. And things like that. Yeah, we do the we do the same thing. So we have a number of committees. We have little breakout sessions. Mm -hmm. And all of that is on uh, on the agenda. I think I looked at ours just the other day. It's still tentative in nature, but it's got many of those mm -hmm. same things, opportunities to, you know, you know, basically, you know, social, you know, right. events, you know, dinners and keynote speakers right. and things like mm -hmm. that. So uh, if you do that in the business world, you'll be, you'll be <laughs> already be really familiar with that yeah. kind of, of deal. So. And then the candidates are there and yep. they're having events. So it is a good opportunity to meet some candidates on a state level that you might not normally meet. Yes. I met some judicial candidates that are not from this area, so that would have been the only you know, right. real opportunity I would have had. And it's just a fun time to get together. I really encourage anybody that is thinking about being a delegate in the future to go. It really is a phenomenal opportunity. I, I would definitely uh, you know, echo that sentiment. If, if you really want to get um, your feet into the, you know, feet wet in this, start at the bottom and really work your yeah. way up. And you'll, I think you'll find it um, far more interesting, engaging, and nuanced yeah. than, you, than you realize. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're trying to unpack this in... It's a lot of information. And a lot of information. Lot we're of about 45 minutes now. <laughs> I'm and, sure people's uh, eyes are closing. Right, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there's, there's places to get plugged in. One thing that was good about this year in COVID, because it was virtual, a lot of people got to participate virtually that wouldn't have had a chance to go. So people okay. got... And even though all of our meetings are open, you can't attend four meetings at one time. Right. And so I attended the nominations committee that was um, working on the nominations for for chair and for state chair and deputy chair and things like that, which meant that I couldn't do resolutions. I couldn't do rules, things like that. This year, everything was virtual and they spread it out. So no, none of those mm. main committees were meeting at the same time and they put them all on Facebook Live. So everybody got to watch the resolutions committee talk through that process. You couldn't participate, but you're not a member of that committee, but you can, you could watch and you could see, okay, this person from, this is my person we voted on for our county and this is our Senate district and this is what he's, mm -hmm. he's doing. And, you know, and so it was a really good opportunity for people who aren't normally able to, to see the inner workings of the party. They could, yeah participate. So that was the good part. The bad part, of course, is that you miss the social aspects and the networking aspects and the vendor fair. So my bank account went. <laughs> well, and, and I'm listening to here and I'm, and I'm hearing what, all, you know, everything you're saying. And, and I'd love to be able to share the same stuff with, with the audience here on the Republic side, but you know, we haven't had our state right. convention yet. Right. So uh, we had an interesting, you know, kind of decision that was made about the timing of ours because we're, we're meeting in, you know, in person. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and so ours is actually, it, it's overlapping with the primary runoff, right? So ours oh, right, is right. 13th through the 18th. Yeah. Um, and those first few days, I believe the 13th, 14th, and 15th are kind of when your resolutions committees and, and nominations committees and all that stuff, they're meeting, um, they're doing a lot of that kind of workshop stuff. Um, then you're, you were having those speaking engagements all throughout that. But then we also have, then the kind of the general mm. like, is the 16th, 17th and 18th. Oh, so yes, it's, very long. it's really long. It's a, it's a week long deal. And so, but, but right there in the middle, you've got the runoff, right? Yeah. So we, we knew, um, the decision was made, um, you know, at that SREC level, you know, mm -hmm. that we understand that there's going to be this, 
if you're if you're part of a campaign, if you're helping in a campaign, you're gonna you would have had to have chosen between right. being one of those working groups versus mm-hmm. right helping your candidate in the in the runoff, right? right. So um, it was an artifact of these crazy yeah, circumstances yeah, we're is. finding ourselves <laughs> in right now. So yeah. Uh, well, I I feel like. Uh, if there, is there anything else you want to share? I, I don't like... think I do want to echo what you said earlier on that people that are looking to get engaged, the precinct level is the best place to start or volunteering right at uh, our Democratic headquarters in Conroe. And it's just if you want to do it more as a volunteer and maybe not as an organizer. But we do we utilize uh, precinct captains and block captains also. So that's always a great place to start. Um, finding out your precinct chair. So you can go to our website, mcdptx.org, um, and our phone number's on there too if you um, don't see your precinct chair's name because it's we're right in that transition period. So um, we don't have all the new people up yet. You can get, give our headquarters a call and we'll get you plugged in. Yeah, uh, I'd say the exact same thing. So www.mcrp.org. Uh, but uh, maybe we can get our host to post all this information yeah, at the end great. of this. And while we're giving out uh, addresses and contact information, we have set up a Gmail account for the podcast. So we would love to have your questions because we tape in advance. We can't take live questions, but Mm -hmm. we'd love to have uh, questions from y'all who are watching. We'd love to have ideas for topics for the future. So please email us at woodlandspurplepolitics, all one word, at gmail.com. And we'll both be reading the mail that comes in and we will get your answer, your questions answered and maybe use one of your topics in future shows. All right. Excellent. Well, Amy, if you want to wind this down, I don't have my glasses on. Sure. So I can't yeah. see our obligatory <laughs> <Absolutely>. notice here. <laughs> Y'all have been watching Purple Politics, a discussion between the red and the blue here in the Woodlands. It's brought to you by Woodlands Online. You can watch us on Woodlands Online or listen to this on the Woodlands podcast page as well as iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.